A very good morning to all of you. May the Lord bless each and every one of us today as we listen to the word of God. I'm glad to be here today again. Uh, so bear with me if there are still some shaky things. But I know that Lord is here with his power and his strength. So I want to take you to the word of God. And I'm going to start reading from the book of Galatians today. My subject today is closed in Christ. Okay, closed in Christ. Okay, all of us who came here today, we have closed ourselves before we started off. And uh, in a similar way, you know, I want to talk about being closed in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. The Bible reads here, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have closed yourselves with Christ or in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53, the Bible reads here, for the perishable must be close, must close itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been closed with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come, through, will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 48, Jesus is saying to his disciples, you are witnesses of these things. Jesus took a long time, you know, to explain the word of God to two of his disciples. And uh, then he says, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father, what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been closed with the power from on high. So Jesus took time to speak his, to his disciple sometimes in a group, sometimes only with two people. Like when he was walking on the road to Emmaus, he took time to speak to these two people, just like he did sometimes to the whole group. So today we want to talk about being closed in Christ. And let us begin with a word of prayer. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your wonderful presence. We thank you, Lord that we can gather around your word, this word that is eternal, this word that has power, this word that has the ability to transform our lives, this word that can be able to make us grow in strength and in grace. Lord Jesus, I pray, <clears throat> let this word do its work in each and every one of us today. To you be the glory and the honor. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. I was just reading this scripture from the book of Galatians, and I want to just <clears throat> recap it a little bit for us to uh, get the gist of the matter. You know, the Bible says you are all sons of God through faith. Okay? What is the entrance into sonship? It's faith. Amen. And then the Bible says, for you, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, okay, baptized into Christ, have closed yourselves with Christ. Now, I want you to think for a moment uh, what it means to be baptized. And I, hold, I hope all of you are baptized. If not, then you should actually uh, sign up to get baptized. You know, when you are baptized and, you know, for uh, us, we know that baptism is not just a sprinkling of a few drops on your forehead, but, but baptism is, is to be dipped into the water, 
completely so that the whole body is actually enveloped or surrounded by the water. Okay? So in other words, that's what it means to be baptized in the water. Okay? So the water is surrounding you. And this is the picture that uh, the Apostle Paul is using to explain how we must be in Christ. Okay? How we must be able to experience our Christian walk, you know, in the Lord. You know, the Bible says even the demons uh, believe that, and yet they shudder. But we must understand that uh, we must really be on, a, on another level with our faith in God. So what we must understand is that we need to just not only believe that there is God, that there is Jesus, that Jesus died uh, for mankind as much as this is important, but we need to really believe in Christ, be in Christ. Like we are baptized into the water, okay? So we must also be in Christ, closed with Christ. Now let me explain that. Uh, I know there was a time when we didn't have lifts in Zambia, or very few, and uh, at one time I went into a lift and uh, almost got stuck there. Uh, but you see, you can believe that that lift takes you up, maybe on the uh, fifth floor, on the eighth floor, on the ninth floor, on the tenth floor. Uh, but if you don't step into it, you will never be lifted. Are you with me? So you can say, I believe in that lift. I believe that that lift can take me you know, up the, uh, the building into another floor. Uh, but that, that face is not good enough for you actually to be lifted up. You will only be lifted up when you actually step into it, isn't it? And that's what, you know, we must understand. That's the difference between just believing, yes, there is a lift. I, yes, I believe that lift can take me up. But if you don't step into it, it will never take you up. And that's exactly like we need to recognize that we have to have our faith in Christ, okay? And just like uh, water, and this is the picture that the Apostle Paul is using to speak to the Galatians, just like water is surrounding us completely and totally when we are baptized, in the same way, you know, we need to be in Christ, okay? We need to be closed in Christ. Now, I want to take you to uh, the scriptures in the Old Testament uh, because I believe this is a very important uh, uh, you know, dimension for us to understand uh, what you know, happened with, with us human beings. You see, Adam was the first person and he was made in the image and in the likeness of God, okay? So he was reflecting the nature totally and completely according to the, uh, to the nature of God. But then as time went by, you know, uh, they had to prove that they were not just in, in, you know, the image and likeness of God, but they had to prove that they were desirous to live in the image and the likeness of God. They had to prove that they were not in that, uh, in that life because they were forced to, but because they would love God and they would love to do what he says. And of course, that's where things went wrong. So Adam, together with his wife Eve, uh, they one time decided that they would disregard the word of God, okay, and they would do what they wanted. Not what God told them, but what they wanted themselves. Okay, and when that happened, obviously, you know, uh, God had clearly given them instructions that they could be able to enjoy everything that was in the Garden of Eden, in the uh, place called Paradise. But there was one limitation. But it was just that limitation which they wanted to test. So in other words, they became disobedient. They became rebellious to God. They wanted to find out, you know, what will happen if we do what God told us not to do. Okay, and of course, we see this kind of trait in our children, isn't it? 
And if you, if you have a good memory, you will remember how many times you and I, we did this ourselves, isn't it? Our memory will tell us, okay, yes, we did exactly the same thing. Okay, so <clears throat> what we can see here is Adam and Eve sinned. And uh, the Bible told them, you know, the wages of sin is this. Should you eat from that tree and disobey my command, you will surely die. So from that moment on, they were no longer immortal, imperishable, but now they became mortal human beings, perishable human beings. You know, from that time on, they had an expiry date, which they didn't have before, okay? And looking at what happened, you know, Adam came to discover very quickly <clears throat> that he was not in the right position. Okay, when God came to uh, look for them, okay, check on them, of course God knew what had happened. Uh, then <clears throat> Adam says, I was afraid. I was hiding, I was afraid because I was naked, okay? Now that's very strange, okay? Why is it strange? Because in the same scripture, they were actually closing themselves. Okay, let me read this for you. Genesis, Genesis chapter three, verse six. <clears throat> the Bible reads here, <clears throat> when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Okay? She was guided by her eyes. She was guided by the voice of the enemy who said, you'll be wise, your eyes will be opened, you know, and this and this is going to happen. So she did what she did. So she took some and ate it, and she also gave her, some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. Okay, the eyes were opened. Okay, so the, the promise of Satan was, you know, you will be wise. You know, your eyes will be opened. As far as that was concerned, yes, their eyes were opened, but they were not opened to what they were hoping to see, but they were opened to something completely different, okay? And when their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked, they found that all of a sudden they had lost what God had given to them, okay? A divine garment, a garment of light, the righteousness of God, you know, the salvation of God. All of this was in that garment, okay? And when they sinned, their eyes were opened and they realized this garment was no longer there, okay? They were no longer immortal and imperishable, imperishable but now they were mortal and perishable, okay? And so when they realized they were naked, of course they had to think what they should do next. Okay, let me read again verse seven. Genesis 3 verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they, saw, they were sewing fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So what did they do? They tried to resolve the problem. Okay, they tried to resolve their nakedness. You see, they had the garment of God, the garment of light, the garment of, you know, uh, eternity around them. Uh, there was not supposed to be any death of Adam and Eve. Death only came after they sinned. And all of that, all of a sudden vanished, disappeared. And so they tried to make amends. They tried to cover up, you know, that which, uh, which has gone missing. They tried to find it again. <clears throat> and they thought, Okay, let's make some coverings for ourselves. Because of course they were naked, okay? Everything that God had given them when he created them, you know, the likeness of God, the image of God was gone, okay? So they made something of nature. Of course, fig leaves cannot make you like God, 
Okay? Fig leaves cannot bring you in the image, into the image of God or the likeness of God. <clears throat> I wonder why they were choosing fig leaves, because fig leaves are small. But you know, they were really taking their job serious. They didn't want to just use banana leaves, you know, just to cover yourself quickly. They wanted to make it complicated. They wanted to make, uh, to, to, to take effort to put into it. So they put themselves, <clears throat> they made themselves clothing and they covered themselves as uh, the scripture says. They made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Okay? At this point in time, they should have been very happy because I'm sure this is what they did on a continuous pace, that God would come, be with them, walk with them, you know, explain to them. Uh, because at that time, you know, there was no limitation between the natural and the, and the, and the heavenly, okay? Because they were spirit people and they were, you know, earthly people. So they were relating to the physical uh, earth and they were relating to the spiritual uh, heavenly uh, uh, ground. And so when God came, they were excited. They could easily move in the presence of God. Okay, which of course after that was now no longer possible because sin became a barrier between man and God. So they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. First of all, you know, uh, if you're trying to hide from God, you, are, you have to think twice, okay? Because if, if God is the God who made the heavens and the earth, he made all the trees and all the, the, the flowers, you know, they will not hide you from God. And so they had to find out that they were not hidden from God. God knew it, not coming where, okay? And uh, when they were not coming forward as usual, okay? Because when God would arrive, they would be excited, you know, there would be a good time to ex exchange, you know, the experiences. Uh, I'm sure Adam and Eve, they, they made a lot of experiences uh, you know, in God's creation, and they, they wanted to talk to God about it. But this time, you know, they didn't want to share the new experience they had made because it was an experience that was contrary to what God had told him, okay? They ate from the tree. God said, you must not eat from it. And so they were hiding because they knew they were guilty. Okay, nobody told them they are guilty. Okay, sometimes... People today, they are saying, no, you must not tell people they are guilty because you make them feel guilty. Well, let me tell you, when you're guilty, you're guilty, you know? And nobody needs to tell you that you're guilty, but your own conscience that God has given to you will tell you that you are guilty. So in other words, we don't have to tell people that they are guilty. We have to tell people how they can really cover the guilt. And there is only one way, and I will talk about that, okay? So they were guilty, and therefore they did not volunteer to come out from the, from the trees, from the thicket. They were hiding. <clears throat> but the Lord God called the man, where are you? Adam, what is it? Why don't you come this time? You know, you've always come. This time you're not here. Okay? And... Uh, Finally, Adam had no choice but to come out. Then he answered, I heard you in the garden. Okay, so it was not that he was becoming deaf and he could not hear anymore that God had arrived. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. I was afraid because, what does he say? Because I was Naked. Now, that's very strange. Why, why did uh, Adam say he was naked when actually they made themselves coverings from fig leaves? Okay, have you read? This is just in the same passage of scripture, verse 7. 
The Bible says they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, that means they had clothes on. Okay, not, not the latest fashion designer clothes, uh, but they had some, some coverings. Okay, they were not naked uh, as we would call it. But then Adam realized that whatever they did, it did not really help in covering their nakedness. Because when he appeared before God, he said we were afraid because we are naked. So understand that whatever they did to try and cover themselves, it was not sufficient. In the presence of God, they were still naked. And of course, uh, the, the, the world today, you know, from the time of Adam and Eve, the world is busy making themselves coverings, trying to prove that they can manage without God, trying to prove that they can be righteous. You know, they're trying to, uh, to put all kinds of efforts into religion, into uh, different kind of uh, uh, stuff that uh, one feels is necessary to, to prove that I can make it, you know. Some people want to do it with money. Some people want to do it with fame. Some people want to do it with some what other stuff. But Adam realized when he was in the presence of God, he was still naked, despite all of the effort they took to make this closing of fig leaves. So when sin is allowed into our lives, the garment of God's the garment that God had given to Adam and Eve disappeared and it's true in our own lives as well. So doing what we can do is not a solution. You know, whatever good things, we all kind of lengths to prove solution at all. As I said, you know, people go to all kinds of lengths to prove to God that they are worthy, that they are right before God in what they can do themselves. But of course, God does not get uh, pushed with such kind of uh, uh, arguments. Only God can close us with in salvation and righteousness. And only those who are clothed in Christ are sons of God. Okay? Only those who are clothed with Christ are sons of God. Let me take you quickly to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Now, Isaiah chapter, chapter 61 is a powerful word, you know, that even Christ himself later on is going to, um, to uh, recite because it's the fulfillment of uh, the work of Christ. You know, like in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, uh, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and uh, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Okay, there's a lot of ashes in our world. A lot of dirt, dirt and darkness in our world. And Jesus is uh, later on uh, using that scripture and uh, exactly that's what he has come to do. You know, open prison doors, bind up the broken hearts, you know, proclaim freedom for the captives. All this he has come to do. Okay? And he is coming, he has come to bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Okay? A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. To bestow a crown of beauty on our heads instead of ashes. Isn't that powerful? You know, give us a song of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's what God desires to do in each and every one of our lives. Further down in the book of, uh, in, the same, in the same chapter, I want to read verse 7. Instead of shame and dishonor, 
you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your lands. And everything of, and, and, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Hey, just put yourself there, okay? Whatever, whatever promise you read, put yourself there, okay? Isn't that powerful? This is what God's word says. You know, this is what uh, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah was, was speaking about, the coming of the Lord uh, 700 before, about 700 years before he even came. Okay? Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are the people the Lord has blessed. I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he dresses me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Okay, this is what God is doing, okay? God is clothing us with righteousness, okay? God is giving us his wisdom, his holiness, his redemption, you know? A lot of other things we read it later on in one of the other scriptures. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me with a robe of righteousness. So in other words, we become sons of the living God when we are putting on that clothing, okay? When we are believing in Christ, when we are entering into Christ, like we are entering into a lift that takes us up. If you just stand outside and watch, you can see going, it going up and down, but it will not take you. You must go inside. Then it will lift you up. Okay, just like we are baptized, as, uh, uh, as, as Paul is explaining to the Galatians in Galatians 3, you know, for you are all baptized into Christ and have closed yourself in Christ. Powerful, okay? So the perishable must be closed with the imperishable. God, who is eternal, has made man to be with him eternally. God wants him to be just like, like he himself is, okay? Eternal and powerful. But then sin made us miss out on, on, on that eternity, on that image and likeness of God. So humanity has become perishable because Christ is missing. And as if it is not enough, you know, that we are one day gonna die, you know, we see people killing each other uh, as if it is not going, going fast enough for us to come to the day of our death. Okay, you're hearing of wars and rumors of wars, you know, and uh, right now as we are enjoying our freedom here, there are people who are fighting, people who are losing their lives. Every single day, people are losing their lives because Christ is missing, you know? Things are not the way they should be. The Bible tells us it's death. But because we are sinners, we are even exhilarating the death of other people, which is very sad. Instead of carrying life and uh, the good news of eternal hope in Christ, we are doing the opposite. That's what our world is uh, being caught up in. But when we are closed in Christ, we become imperishable once more. That's why Jesus said, unless you are born again, not born of flesh and blood, which is perishable, but born of the spirit, which is imperishable. Okay, so when, when Nicodemus came and asked uh, Jesus, what must I do? He said, unless you are born again of the spirit, okay, from above, you cannot even see the kingdom of God because you are outside the kingdom of God and you can never even peer in 
because you are not having that imperishable nature that only comes when you are born of God. Amen? So the perishable and the mortal must be swallowed up by life. Okay? You cannot, you cannot deal with, uh, the imper with the perishable and the, the, the mortal by trying to, to push it down, by trying to dig a hole and, 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 and bury it. Actually, it must be caught up with life. Let me just read this again. For the perishable, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53, for the perishable must close itself with the imperishable. Okay, what is the imperishable? The life of God. You know, the life in Christ. That is the imperishable life. And the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that has written will become true. This has been swallowed up in victory. So in other words, the imperishable, you know, or the perishable rather than the mortal must be swallowed up by life. And the life is the life that comes from God. Okay? Not the life that we're breathing in our mortal human nature because one day we know that uh, every one of us has to live. So that's why we have to have the life of God that is immortal and imperishable, that has no expiry date. Praise the Lord. Okay, when you go to, to the shop and you buy your stuff, sometimes you come home and you find that what you bought has already expired. I don't know, I hope it has not happened to you, but it has definitely happened to us. Okay. You look at the, the, the date, because maybe at the shop you don't look at every item that you buy. Uh, it's supposed to be exp expiring. And when you come home, you realize, oh, this thing is already gone. Okay, you may still eat it, but sometimes you immediately realize it, it shouldn't have done that. Okay, so God wants us to be imperishable and immortal because our mortality and our perishable nature is being swallowed up by life, the life that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. So we are expectant to be closed, you know, by our heavenly dwelling, as the Bible says, that is in, in Christ. Let me, let me take you to this scripture because many people have uh, a mistaken belief uh, that, you know, uh, we are here in this world and we want to go into a better world, you know, which we call heaven and then they want to uh, journey to heaven. But let me tell you, uh, we are not exchanging earth with heaven. No, we are exchanging perishable with imperishable. We are exchanging mortal with immortality. And that you don't find it in another place, but you find it in another person, and that is Christ. Okay? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible reads here, Now we know that if, we, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, okay, and uh, Paul is referring to the earthly tent to our human body, Okay, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, looking to be closed with our heavenly dwelling. Okay, we are longing to be closed with our heavenly dwelling. What is our heavenly dwelling? Okay, what is the house of God? Okay, many people think it's just a majestic building, you know. Uh, some people have built uh, cathedrals and uh, majestic buildings. Some of them take, have taken hundreds of years to be built, or some of them are not even finished building yet. Okay, but that's not the house that you are looking forward to be housing you in heaven. Okay, but... The Bible tells us, because these are all mortal things, these are all perishable things, okay? There was a powerful cathedral in Paris which uh, was caught up in a fire not too long ago, and uh, everybody was shocked because, you know, this 
this, this building that has been there for hundreds and hundreds of years has been going up in flames and a lot of, a lot of values were destroyed. But thank God, our heavenly dwelling is not going to be burning with fire. Our heavenly dwelling is an eternal dwelling. And I want you to understand that the heavenly dwelling is not a place, okay? Let me relocate from this earthly place into a heavenly place. Actually, our heavenly dwelling is what you close yourself with, and that is Christ, okay? Like, like Paul says, you know, we have been closing ourselves in Christ. When we are closed, we'll not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclosed, but to be closed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So in other words, our journey in this world is not a journey through this world uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we are hoping that we go to heaven. If you don't have heaven in you today, you will not go into any heaven. If you're not closed with Christ today, you cannot be closed with a heavenly dwelling because our heavenly dwelling is in Christ, okay? It's not a place, it's a person. And thank God, we are very fortunate that we can believe and trust in God for that. I hope I haven't destroyed your hope into a very nice mansion, okay, where you are looking forward one day, I'm going to get to this mansion. Actually, the mansion, you know, that, that the Bible is talking about is, 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 is really, you know, we in Christ, okay? Christ in us. That's why the Bible says Christ in us. That's the hope of glory, okay? Not you live like a devil and then you want to go to heaven, you know? If that would be possible, then I wouldn't want to go to heaven, okay? Because uh, we have got enough devils here. We have enough demons in this world. So why, why would we want to go to a place where the devils have entry rights, okay? It's not possible. So we must understand that God calls us to himself into our heavenly dwelling and that heavenly dwelling is in Christ. In fact, we are already dwelling in Christ now. Those of us who have believed in him, have trusted in him and walk with him. So let's understand that God our Father is providing for us whatever we require. Okay, I was reading Genesis and uh, the last words that we heard Adam say, he says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Okay, I was naked, so I hid. But you don't have to remain naked. And if you go further down in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 21, you read a very simple verse, one very simple verse, and the Bible says here, if and closed them. Wow. Think about that. So, the, the, the fig leaves, no good. Okay, so God said, let me, let me give you a garment. Let me close you. Now, God didn't close them because they were believing and trusting in God, but God closed them because he wanted to show them the only way how they would be ever able to come into the presence of God Almighty. How they would be able to come reunited with their original purpose in God. Okay, so God made clothes for them. He made garments for them. Did you know that God is a tailor? Okay, but before he could be a tailor, he had to be a butcher. Now you may say, pastor, please, you know, what are you talking about? But that's true, because skins are not clothing that you can take off. Am I right? I mean, can, can you go to a, to a lamb, to a, to, a, to a sheep, and say, give me your skin? Okay, maybe you can cut off the wool, but, but you cannot take the skin. So if you want to take the skin, what do, what do you have to do? You have to kill the animal. 
isn't it? And that's exactly what God did. God killed the animals from whom he took their skin. And then he tailored them into clothing. And he gave it to uh, Adam and Eve. He clothed them with that clothing. So we must understand this is the gospel in the book of Genesis. Okay? Many people think the gospel starts in the New Testament. No, the gospel is already in the Old Testament. That's why, please, don't think, you know, we, we only need to depend on the New Testament. No, then to both. A wise man takes from the old and he takes from the new. Okay? And that's why, you know, we need to recognize what God was doing here. So God made garments. And he made garments in order to illustrate the gospel. Okay, that is the gospel in very short strokes, okay? God was telling the people who had sinned that your sin cannot be covered by fig leaves, by what you can do on your own, but it can only be covered what I do for you, okay? I will give you salvation, and that salvation has to be brought about through an innocent lamb, okay? that has to be willing and ready to lay down his life so that through that death, life comes to you. And you know, God killed that animal or those animals and he took those skins and he closed his people who were guilty with those closing. So in other words, he showed them the only way to salvation is through an innocent lamb. And the innocent lamb, the lamb of God, the lamb who carries away the sin of the world is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. It is God the father who provided the lamb. It's God the father who allowed the lamb to be slaughtered. Okay? It is God the father who allowed the blood to be shed and the body to be broken. And this is what we are demonstrating today when we are going to the table of the Lord. Okay? We are believing in the lamb to have been broken, in the blood to have been shed. That's a gospel. Okay? And that's a gospel which God was preaching to Adam and Eve right there in the Garden of Eden. They had not even apologized. They had not even asked for forgiveness. They had not even asked to become right with God. But God showed them, should you ever come to your senses and find your need to be put right with God, then this is the way. You need to trust the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. You need to trust that the blood of Jesus is going to be poured out for you. Okay? Now, there were a lot of things, of course, they could not understand at that particular time, but the message was already there was already clear. And so we see that our solutions are a fallacy, which is never going to work because we never get right with God with what we can do. We have to trust the only way. Okay, this is what people get angered with, you know. Uh, they tell us, okay, you can say that Jesus is the way, but don't tell us that he's the only way. I'm sorry, I can't tell you anything else than what the Bible tells us. Because the Bible says there is no other way apart from Christ. He is the one who takes us into the journey, you know, the way, the truth, and the life. And he will take us to our Heavenly Father. There is no other way. If you want to have your own way, okay, fine. You can go it, but... Sorry for what you will find at the end of that, of that journey. But we who trust in Jesus' name, because the Bible says there is no other name given under heaven except the name of Jesus in which we can be saved. Okay? So if we trust in him, then we are walking with Jesus until finally we'll get united with our Father in heaven. And that is really powerful. So remember, God made those garments and God showed the good news, the gospel. 
He preached it to two people, okay, who had sinned and who had not even apologized, who had not even repented, but he preached the gospel. This is the way that you need to walk in order to be united back to your creator. Our cover is Christ, who has even dealt with Satan. And this is a scripture that God spoke to Eve, that, uh, you know, that she would have an offspring, you know, a seed. He didn't say it to Adam, but to Eve, because the seed was going to be put into, into a virgin. And that there would be the savior who would crush the head of the, of, of, the, of the serpent. You can all read it in the book of Genesis. That's the gospel in Genesis, okay? Yes, of course, the devil was striking out, striking the heel of uh, the Savior, and that meant he had to die at the cross. But actually, he was only helping that the blood was shed, that needed to be shed in order to cover our sinfulness. So, remember... God has given us a set of clothing, powerful clothing, that make us righteous and holy in the presence of God Almighty. Now let me read you a passage of scripture from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. Brothers, Think of what you were when you were caught, okay? Where did you come from? How did you enter into uh, the walk with Christ? Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and to despise and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. You know, this is the mistaken uh, idea of many people that you have to really be on top, that you have to really, you know, show yourself better than everybody else, then you are uh, good enough uh, for what is going to come. And, and, and Jesus tells us, or the word of God tells us that it's, it's, it's not the case. Actually, God chooses, even when Jesus, even the least influential, okay? When Jesus chose his disciples, he didn't choose people who were highly educated from the temple, but he chose very simple fishermen, you know? And yet, they were able to carry his message. Yet, they were able to, uh, you know, carry the message of salvation around the world and the world changed as a result of simple people like you and me, okay? So God made a statement. It doesn't need our, you know, exceptional brain or our exceptional strengths or exceptional wisdom, but what it needs is Christ. Christ and him alone. So he chose the lowliest things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him. Listen, this is important. It is because of him, our heavenly father. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay? It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Closed with the closing of righteousness. Okay? The closing of immortality. Imperishably, we are closed in Christ. And that's what is important for every one of us to realize, you know, God is shaming that which looks to be strong in our world, 
Okay, we have a lot of competitions in the world, you know. Very soon they have got Olympics. Uh, we have got the, the football leagues, uh, soccer leagues, or what's to the top. And if you rise to the top, you become worth millions of, 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 of dollars, okay? Some, some footballers changed hand for not less than 100 million uh, euros, or $110 million. And somebody offered 175 million for one individual football player. Now you say, wow, these are people who have got value. Okay, as far as the ball is concerned, yes, they have value. As far as eternity is concerned, it doesn't matter, okay? Because this is not what God has chosen. God has chosen those who trust in him, okay? Those who trust, who put their faith in Christ. Those are the people who will be clothed with the righteousness of God, the salvation of God. So every one of us must know that God is looking for each and every one of us to close ourselves with what God has offered to us. That is Christ. And he is our righteousness. He is our redemption. He is our holiness. There's nothing that we can boast about, but we can always give worship and praise to the Lord. Psalm 132 verse 6 gives us a very interesting, very nice scripture. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, we heard that the ark was in Ephrata, that means Bethlehem. Then we found it in the distant countryside of Jar, okay, because the, 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 the ark of the covenant was taken away from the people of Israel. And the verse 7 says, let us go to the sanctuary of the Lord. Let us worship at the footstool of his throne. Arise, O Lord, and enter your resting place, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May you pray joy. May your loyal servants sing for joy. Okay? So God wants us to close ourselves with godliness. We are called to sing to him for joy. Uh, and uh, singing about the joy of our salvation that God has made available to every one of us, regardless of who we were, regardless of what we could show or not show, it's immaterial. Christ is our salvation. So remember, God has desired to close us in Christ. And I want you to understand that this is not a contradiction uh, to uh, what Jesus uh, tells us that we should wait to be closed with the power from on high. Okay? Let me just read quickly that scripture in, uh, okay, Luke chapter 24, verse 48. I, actually, it's a longer uh, passage, and I, I would advise you to read uh, the longer passage. But uh, Jesus is saying, You are witnesses of these things. Okay? I'm going to send you. What my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been closed with power from on high. Okay? So I want you to understand that being in Christ is not a contradiction of being in the spirit. Actually, it's the very same thing. Okay? God desires us to walk on earth as Christ did. How did Christ walk on earth? How did Christ walk in his ministry? Okay? He was being in union with the Father at all times. Okay? He was never doing what he wanted to do himself. He was always uh, finding out what is the will of my Father in this particular situation. Okay? It's very interesting that Jesus said, I can do nothing unless the Father tells me. So if you trust in Christ, it's not a contradiction to say, I trust in the Father. You know, because the Father and the Son are one. Okay? Then Jesus went to the temple, I mean, went to the Jordan River, rather. And uh, when he was baptized, and don't forget, Jesus was baptized. So you have no exemption. You must also be baptized. So when Jesus was baptized, the Bible tells us that heaven opened. And the Father spoke, this is my dear Son, my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. 
Okay? And uh, at the same time as the father was speaking, that there was the Holy Spirit coming upon him like a dove, okay? The Holy Spirit is not a dove, but sometimes explained like a dove. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon him and remained on him. So that means if you are in Christ, you must also be in the Spirit, okay? And when, when Jesus started his ministry, the first thing that he did you know, after this wonderful experience at the, of the, uh, the River Jordan was over, the Holy Spirit guided him into the wilderness, into the desert where he was being tested by Satan. Now you may be wondering, why did the Holy Spirit do that? But you must understand that Jesus was always walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that which came on the day of Pentecost over the people of uh, of, of, of uh, Faith, the people who believed in Jesus, that is what happened to Jesus at the, at, the, at, the, at the time when he was baptized. Okay? That was not yet a time of salvation. Okay? Salvation was only coming when Jesus said, it is finished. That means when he gave his blood, when he shed his blood. Only then the, the curtain in the temple was, was divided and the way between uh, man and God was now opened up, able to go back into the presence of God Almighty. Okay? So we must clear, be clear. You know, God wants us to trust in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? You cannot say, me, I only need Christ. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I don't need the Father. Well, you can't have the, the, the Lord Jesus on his own. He's always with the Father. He's always in the Spirit. Okay? And I want you to really study that, you know? Uh, it's, it's worth it to study this scripture. So God wants us to be clothed in the fullness of Christ. That means including the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Being in Christ and being in the Holy Spirit, as I said, is not a contradiction. Rather, it is a requirement, being fully closed in Christ. So we are waiting to be fully closed, okay? We have a desire to be fully closed. And thank God today, we are able to receive this, you know, life-giving message that God gives to us, that we can be closed in Christ, that we should be closed in Christ, that we must make sure that we are being closed in Christ. Amen? This is a study, okay? This is not a simple uh, time where we shout hallelujah. This is a study that is meant to, uh, to give you a solid ground under your feet, that is meant to make you walk in Christ in a more deep and meaningful way than ever before. So may God be with you, and may you be able to be closed, totally closed in the divine garment of Christ Jesus. Remember, Christ in us, that's the hope of glory. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and I remain in you. So in other words, you know, something that is uh, difficult to explain because Christ is in us, but he's also our cover. Okay? And Jesus makes it very clear that this is what he desires from each and every single one of us. As we are going to celebrate communion today, let us remember that God has given us his very best. His only Son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your word. May this word be able to resonate in our mind and our heart. Maybe, maybe, maybe be able to, to learn to to make this become reality in each and every one of us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your love and kindness. Thank you, Lord, that you have closed us in Christ. 
And thank you, Lord, that we can be able to partake of Christ as we are demonstrating it even now through the communion that you have asked us to continue keeping until you come. We give you glory and we give you honor in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.